and welcome to Beyond the Capital from Supertech. I'm Hilary, we're back, it's 2023, and this series we're going to be exploring how to deal with adversity. I'm going to be talking to entrepreneurs, business leaders about how they've overcome major challenges. Some of them are financial, personal, sometimes about investments, securing funding, launching during a small thing like a pandemic. I'm going to find out how they made it through the ups, the downs, building thriving businesses ultimately and doing it from the regions, because this is beyond the capital. It's a podcast series about the professional services tech scene and building those businesses outside of London. I'm Hilary Smith-Allen. In this episode, I spoke to Ash Alley. He's an entrepreneur, investor and author of the book, The Unfair Advantage. Thanks for joining me today, Ash. Could you start by telling me a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do? Hi, Hilary. My name is Ash Ali, and I'm currently the co-founder of a company called U-Hubs, and I authored the book, The Unfair Advantage, and I was born and bred in Birmingham. Do you want to bring that a little bit more to life, just you know, expand on that? You've had your fingers in many pies. You've got lots of things, classic entrepreneur. What have been your perhaps uh, proudest moments and things that you're most excited about? Yeah, so when I was 19 years old, I set up a website uh, when I was in Birmingham, actually, in my parents' attic uh, back in 1997. And we sold shoes on the internet. Um, and that was the first time I got into the world of uh, e-commerce and uh, building websites. And I won an award for this. And uh, there's an agency in London who saw it. And they were like, Ash, come to London and work with some of our clients building their websites. And I was like, okay, why not do that? Uh, I picked up my rucksack and uh, went over to London. And it was my first time. I was 19 years old, first time in London. And uh, yeah, my whole world opened up there where I started working in new media, online marketing, digital marketing, and then eventually became the first marketing director of Just Eat. Wow. So e-commerce there being the thing rather than um, a particular sector, you know, it wasn't about the shoes. It was about the opportunity and the tech side of things then that opened up for you. Yeah, I mean, the good thing was being in Birmingham, and there's a lot of businesses and people, uh, tradespeople and small businesses. But because I had the online knowledge and the technical know-how, I was able to take the technical know-how and combine it with the trades. I think being in London, I probably wouldn't have met someone selling shoes the way I met my friend who was selling shoes uh, through his shops in local Birmingham. So um, it was a great opportunity for me to start off in e-commerce, which is literally how, you know, internet shopping started, really. So did you join Just Eat really early on? Like, were you there from the beginning? So I, I was the first marketing director at Just Eat. And uh, I was a one-man marketing machine. Um, and my job was to um, grow the brand and um, build this uh, online takeaway ordering service, which no one believed in at the time. And everyone was rolling their eyes at me going, who's going to order takeaway on the internet, Ash? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds obvious now. Right? I mean, that was 2006, <laughs> right? It was in the days where you just had a laptop and you'd order your pizza off a laptop. And people were like, nah, no one's going to do that. Of course, now you've got the mobile apps and so on as well. So my job was to promote the brand, um, build it up, build a marketing team there and raise uh, some money. And we eventually raised 10.5 million pounds. And I did the first TV campaign for Just Eat. We chose X Factor as our slot and our timing to do it and become a household brand. And the rest was history, as they say. So if it's so new and no one's done it before, it's 2006, where, where did you get your confidence from to, you know, to push that if it's such a, you know, such a blank canvas? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. A lot of people ask me this question, like, why did you decide doing a startup when you were younger, when everyone else was going into careers and all my friends were going into, you know, dentistry, law and banking and so on and corporate jobs. And I was there going, mm, I want to do a startup again and get involved with startups. The way I felt about it was that I really believed in the idea. 
um, I had a desire to succeed in it. And then I, my passion comes along with it. And a lot of people say that you have to be passionate about starting something. You don't really need to be passionate. Your passion comes along afterwards. And I always like trying doing new things. My parents always used to say to me, Hillary, you know, everyone's walking that way and you're walking <laughs> the opposite way. Why do you keep doing that? I've always been very different and tried to do different things. And then at the same time, I always felt that I had digital marketing skills, which were very much in demand. And if the startup didn't work, I could always walk into a job tomorrow. And you're quite passionate about the need to measure things and to be able to demonstrate, et cetera. But you, I know you talked to you before this, there's a bit about people perhaps presenting that they know what they're talking about, but not. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of people now, especially in the social media world now and with blogs and books, people think they're an overnight expert after reading you know, four blogs on something and that they'll go on social media talking about how they feel like they know the subject matter. And um, the way I see like marketing or any kind of business subject, you've got to have a lot of trunk knowledge, so really core knowledge. And then all these new things that are coming along um, are just additions that you add to it. So my core knowledge was building websites and optimizing them for the search engines and understanding how that whole process worked. And then the rest of it, social media, email marketing, and uh, usability, all started to just come off the top of that. But because I know the trunk knowledge of how websites are built, how you should make them work for the end user, I have like a base knowledge. But some people will just say um, they will be presenting themselves with a what I call a branch knowledge, which is like might be SEO, but they might not know as much about the whole picture. And they can present well, but they don't really know the full picture. And sometimes it's good to go back to the fundamentals and learn the trunk knowledge and get kind of like uh, man hours or woman hours on it. So I've been spe- I've spent hours coding away and doing things. People used to call me a hermit because I was just there coding away and learning and doing things. And I also think a lot of people, in terms of presentism, in terms of how to present themselves, they talk a good game, but they've not walked the walk. And you can see that. The new people going to careers and the younger people going into the world of work, they can sometimes be confused by that. And they look at it as, oh, yeah, this person must know a lot about it. And they're in truth, they don't know as much about it. And their opinions might kind of take them to a different angle or different place in their career or getting feedback on a business idea, for example. You know, like you might go to somebody who you think knows about business, but in truth, they haven't really started enough businesses or they haven't even failed enough in enough businesses to really know what they're talking about when it comes to this. So it's very important whose opinions you take. And it's very important to what I call chauffeur knowledge, basically. You know, you're you're just like a journalist giving people knowledge, but the people who are really doing the work are behind the scenes. And with Just Eat, for example, I go out there, talk about Just Eat, the brand and how it was all great success. But there's so many people behind me who's doing all the hard work, right? But I was in the weeds of doing it myself and getting your kind of rolling your sleeves up and doing it. So I always like people uh, talking to people who are practitioners. That's what I'd say. So if you're really looking to learn from people, learn from practitioners, people who've been doing it, roll their sleeves up and learned their hard lessons. You'll always get a better view of the... Uh, the thing that they're talking about. What was it about your background and the difference that you identify in yourself to others? Do you think it helped you at all in your journey and what you brought to Just Eat? When I first joined uh, Just Eat, uh, as the first marketing director, I always felt like, why me? You know, like, you know, I'm 27 years old. I'm a marketing director of a startup, uh, a growing startup, a fast growing startup. You know, like I shouldn't really be here. So I had this kind of imposter syndrome. 
And I sat around the boardroom and there's all these, you know, I would say posh people from different backgrounds who experience business. And there's a brummy lad coming in going, hey, we should try this. We should try that. But, you know, eventually I realized that my place was meant to be there because the impact I had on the business was very different and very useful. Um, there's so many stories I can talk about and how my value came through from my knowledge and know-how. Uh, just understanding culture, understanding diversity, understanding um, how websites work, for example, and what we should be focusing on in the business. But I also learned a lot as well. I also learned a lot. I mean, I did my first TV campaign at Just Eat and I've never done TV before. And I'm a performance marketing type of guy. So everything is like measurement, 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 output, ROI. But there was this world where it's actually, Ash, we need to build a brand now and we need to spend money. And they were like, a million pounds on TV. I was like, million pounds on TV? No, <laughs> you can't do that. You know, we just have to, we have to do it the old way, the old school way. But I learned from that process. Oh, bootstrap it if nothing else. You know? Yeah, exactly. And I, I learned from that process. I learned about accelerating. So I learned about, you know, like uh, when I grew up in Birmingham, I came from a very kind of poor family and poverty was quite uh, a lot around me. And everything we had to do was kind of be, be very resourceful and get the most out of what we had. And, it was kind of a different experience for me to get into the world of marketing and then be the same because it actually helped me. The fact that I had limited money, it made me more creative and it made me get the most out of my um, uh, my disadvantage in that sense. And, and I talk about this in the book, The Unfair Advantage, about how that works. I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> so yeah, so that's kind of, that was that was an interesting experience and I really bring that through to my um, uh, world of work now as well. We hear that necessity being a big driver of entrepreneurialism and certainly some of our uh, Commonwealth counterparts in a previous series talked about that. But you mentioned it there, the book, The Unfair Advantage, so clearly linked to your background. What were the takeaways? If you can summarise your book very briefly for those that haven't read it and aren't familiar with it. Yeah, you know, I used to be, when I came to London, I used to look around me and look at all these successful people and wonder, oh my God, I shouldn't be here. You know, how, how are they so successful? I used to read all the articles about them raising money and doing amazing things online. And I wanted to demystify the approach around that because most people talk about hard work being the uh, the only thing you can have to get success. But then what we talk about in the book is actually, there's another thing called unfair advantages. Imagine you're riding a bike and you've got a lot of wind coming towards you and hitting you. So you got all this kind of wind hitting you. But an unfair advantage is actually falling into a slipstream and getting there faster or having a wind behind you just push you forward. And that's what an unfair advantage is in kind of simple metaphorical terms. And um, the whole premise of the book is to double down on your strengths rather than just look at your weaknesses. Because throughout school, you're always getting marked on things which, you know, if you're good at something, great. But the stuff that you're not good at, let's keep working on it. But in the business world and in the real world, the stuff that you're really good at, you should double down on that because you'd be, become even better. And the stuff you're not good at, you can hire people. You can hire an accountant. You can hire um, a, a HR person. You can hire all these people into your business. So the premise of the book is to double down on your strengths and capitalize on what you already have going for you because there's a lot going for you. But also your own personal story is really important. So I was born and bred in Birmingham. I had all these disadvantages that I turned into advantages. And then Having advantages, how do you make the most of those going forward as well? And everyone is unique and special. So the element of the book is that actually be grateful for what you do have and maximize it as best as you can. Can you talk a bit about your views on failure? Because you've got some different ideas, perhaps what most entrepreneurs think when you think about failing in that startup sense. Yeah, look, you know, I think failure is part of success, right? 
Uh, we talk about this in the book, right? That failure is part of success, but it's the way you fail. So when people want to start a business, they'll say, I want to start a business tomorrow. I want to leave my job and I'm going to remortgage my house. That's not a good way to start a business. A good way to start a business would be to say, I've got six to nine months of savings and runway. I can survive. Psychologically, I can focus on the business and not worry about the financial side. What we talk about in failure is not to, you know, fail catastrophically and break your neck so you can't start again. The idea of failure is to be able to start again and over and over again. So what we call is mini failures and experimentations. And a lot of things you can try quite quickly in this day and age. You know, like you don't have to go full out and spend all your budget on something. You can experiment and try things in smaller ways, in experimental ways, which is the agile startup method, which is kind of doing experimentations and learning as you go along and solving a real problem. And I think failure is around um, understanding that and reframing that and ensuring that it's not catastrophic failure. If you, someone said to me, <laughs> jump off a building, then I wouldn't obviously do that. I'll fail. Well, yeah. but you're also dead. So you yes. can't start again, right? So it's understanding the, the concept of failure in that sense. And not because it's linked to failure, but because it's linked to starting again. You have a, a new venture with U-Hubs? Yeah, so I've always been interested in start. I mean, I've done five startups now and I've had a few successes along the way and I've had a big success with the Just Eat. I'm currently starting a company called U-Hubs. And the premise there was that what we found was that most startups struggle with getting traction and growth. And that usually emanates in the sales team. And we focus on helping B2B tech startup founders build their sales team and get more effectiveness in their sales teams. And we built a platform around this from coaching and upskilling and development. But also uh, what we've done is we use AI now and uh, different sets of data to help sales leaders understand their sales team. So we use people data, performance data, and combine that together with AI to give them the signals they need to help understand their people better and ramp their staff up faster and also become more uh, effective in sales. So there's lots of pearls of wisdom in, in what you'd be saying. If you had one takeaway for our listeners, what advice would you impart? I was asked the same question when I did a Google talk recently. Uh, what, what, what advice would you give your younger self? And I'll use that as the uh, same thinking around this. I think the, the advice I would give is have the courage to be disliked. Different one. Because when you're an entrepreneur, when you're a founder of a new business, when you want to try something new, when you want to disrupt an industry, you're going to be disliked by many people. And so you have to have the courage to be disliked to do new things um, if you want to disrupt the world and do something different. A very different one, very different what we normally hear. And then future looking, you know, you're a multiple startup person, you've got stuff on the go. What, what do you think is next on the horizon? What would you hope for the rest of 2023 and beyond? Yeah, so we're currently working with lots of brands now and uh, big clients and corporates helping their learning development teams with leadership, storytelling, problem solving. We find that there's a lot of uh, what we call skills gaps in uh, people. And in the world of AI now, what are the new skills that people need to learn? And the skills that we're teaching now, our clients are like, um, uh, like curiosity, creativity and problem solving. And what we're doing is we're doing workshops and training. We're speaking at events uh, through the unfair advantage. And on the, the U-Hub side, we are continuing to build the business. We've raised uh, uh, over a million pounds for that business. We're expanding the team. We're moving into the US and we're continuing to work with more B2B sales leaders uh, who are looking to grow their teams. Fabulous. Well, we wish you every success with the, those challenges. And thank you for spending some time to talk to me today. Thank you, Hilby. That was Ash Alley, entrepreneur, investor and author. 
Thanks for listening. This has been Beyond the Capital from Supertech. I'm Hilary Smith-Allen. Please follow us on Apple, Spotify, whichever is your favourite podcast app. And if you've enjoyed listening, tell your friends and family and give us a rating to help others find the podcast. 